Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to be here with us in this place this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Those verses that I just read to you are verses 13 to 16 of Isaiah chapter 49, part of the section of Isaiah that I would like to look at. At with you this morning. This will be the fourth week of our little four-week Advent sermon series in Isaiah, so we're going to sort of bring it to a close this week, and next time we're together, it will be on the dark evening into which that bright star shone, announcing Jesus' arrival into the world. But for now, we're still waiting, we're still looking forward. So let us begin. The first thing that struck me about Isaiah 49 when I read it this week was the imagery that John will use all those years later in Revelation when he's envisioning the thronging worship service around the throne of Almighty God at the end of time. This is what Isaiah says. This is from verse 10 of Isaiah 49. Here's Isaiah. They shall not hunger or thirst... Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them, for he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. So Isaiah is talking, as he has been throughout these last several weeks of our readings, he's talking about the redeemed creation, a place where there will not be any strife, no pain, no war. A time when swords, as we read, will be beaten into plowshares. Lions and lambs will live together. Everything will be wonderful because the Messiah has come. No hunger, no thirst, no scorching wind or sun. There will be springs of fresh water. And John picks up this image in Revelation when he says, Therefore they are before the throne of God. He's envisioning this future incredible worship service. Therefore, he says, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Then he says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we have this explicit connection here between what Isaiah is predicting in chapter 49 and what John is witnessing in Revelation 7. But 
you people out there who are like me, who uh, care about grammar, will have noticed that I started that Revelation reading with the word therefore. And you can't start with therefore, because therefore implies something that came before. In other words, this beautiful vision that John sees is happening because something else has happened first. We read, therefore, there is no hunger, no no thirst. Therefore, there is no scorching heat. Something happened. Well, what was it? Well, it's just what Isaiah was predicting. And it comes the verse before the therefore, right where you'd expect it. This is Revelation 7, 13 and 14. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And where have they come from? And John says to this elder, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, there will be no pain, no war, no strife. Therefore, there is no hunger or thirst For these people because they have been redeemed. They have been rescued from what John calls the great tribulation. And they have been set free. Having their sins, which stained them like scarlet, washed white as snow. In the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Now I'm hoping that this all sounds just a bit familiar to you. It should. We talked about this exact connection between Isaiah and Revelation in week one of this very Advent sermon series. Isaiah said, if you recall, chapter one, verse 18. So we read just now from verse from chapter 49. Now we're going back to Isaiah one. Isaiah says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be White as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So John, in this revelation of the redeemed people of God, worshiping God's presence, is seeing and hearing prophecies from throughout the book of Isaiah coming to fruition. There is no hunger or thirst anymore. Just like Isaiah promised in chapter 49. And it's all possible because Jesus, the Messiah, has come washing the crimson stains of sin white with his blood, just like Isaiah promised in chapter one. This is like the kids saying, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Everything is wonderful for everyone, right? Well, someone is not singing. It's like the birthday party when everyone's having a great time except that one kid who's sitting over in the corner you saw that kid at parties you attended perhaps you were that kid I was often that kid Uh, there's always one kid sort of missing out on the party and in our reading from Isaiah we read about this kid Isaiah says in our reading from chapter 49 sing for joy O heavens and exult O earth break forth O mountains into singing He's calling for this wonderful praise and worship. But then you look, and there's Zion over there in the corner, 
not really participating in the party and sort of finally and hesitantly raising their hand. And this is Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Zion is saying this description, this singing, this joy, this exultation, this doesn't feel like my life. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm scorched. There are still tears in my eyes. I'm not joyful. God has forgotten me. Now, as we've seen in Isaiah week by week, Isaiah is talking about actual Zion, the people of Israel who are in exile in Babylon, who are feeling abandoned by their God. But he's also once again prophesying more broadly because Zion is here just sharing the human experience, your experience. What about me? The prophecy of a world without hunger, without thirst and pain is a wonderful thing. But what does it have to say about what I'm going through right now? And Christmas, Christmas can be especially good at throwing these feelings into sharp relief, making the pain all the sharper, the songs the mistletoe, the relentless cheer, the jingling bells, the grandmas getting run over by reindeer. It can all feel so foreign to someone who's actually suffering. All the happiness can feel like it's just hiding the pain and sorrow of human life for a few weeks. A pain and sorrow that's going to come crashing right back in on us when normal life resumes again in just a couple days. Your boss is still going to be your boss. Your fears will still be your fears. Your loved one will still be gone. You still won't be the person that you promised yourself you'd be. Maybe God is doing great things for all of these other people. But in Zion's words, it feels like the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. What does God have to say to me? This is the lament of a sinner living in a sinful world. But there is an answer to this lament. And God's answer to us, the suffering sinners, is in the very next verses. Uh, So Isaiah 49, verse 14 first the lament, and then 15 and 16, the answer. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. This is our lament. What about me, God? But then verses 15 and 16, God's response. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on her son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is an incredible thing. As impossible as it might seem, 
even a mother might forget the child nursing at her breast. But God will not forget you. And why? Because he has engraved you on the palms of his hands. Here we have two images placed together like, like twins, two sides of the same coin. We have Christmas, a baby, nursing at a mother's breast. And we have Easter, scarred palms that prove the love of God. And in between, suffering. In between, God himself on the cross. A parent forgetting for a moment a beloved child. So that he can remember you. Let me tell you what I mean. It seems impossible that a mother might forget her child, right? There is no closer relationship than this. And yet, God says it is possible. And God knows because God himself will do it. On Good Friday, outside the city walls at a place called the Skull, God will forget for a moment his only and beloved son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus will cry. The exact cry of a lamenting Zion. God knows you're suffering because he suffered for you. He cries a lament just like Zion's lament. You've forgotten me, God. But unlike Zion, who is actually not forgotten, God does, in fact, forget Jesus for a moment. God had no compassion on Jesus for that moment. The sin of the world came crashing down on his shoulders. And his goodness, the perfection of his life that began on Christmas morning at his mother's breast was given to you. And God, his father, turned away. You see, and this is the crux of the good news here. You see, God had made this promise to Zion and to you. He had promised never to forget them. He has promised never to forget you. And so to keep that promise for a moment, he forgot his son. But the forgetting wasn't the end of the story. Three days Later, the fatal wounds were overcome. God turned back to his son and made him victorious, even over the grave. But even in his resurrected life, Jesus bore those wounds. Nail scars on his hands. A spear mark in his side. His accomplishments for you forever ingrained. In his flesh, his love for you engraved on the palms of his hands. Isaiah knew the details. He shared them in chapter 53. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed 
for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you peace. By his wounds you are healed. This is the joy that will be for all people. As the children sang this morning. God will never forget you. Ever. You and his saving work for you are engraved on the palms of his hands. Amen.